Hey, it's Cambrio from CambrioMusic.com, and today I have a fantastic interview with Britt Black. She played guitar in the band Live on Release, toured with Biff Naked, and performed as a solo artist. Thanks for coming by, and let's get started. What were some of your like first songs like way back when that like you loved? Some of your first music that really stuck with you. Some of mine, or just like that uh, I wrote, like when you were a kid, or the first songs you loved. Oh yeah, that you heard. Uh, uh, my parents listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin, so when I was really young, I thought it. When I think I was like three, and I was requesting Ed Zeppelin. I thought it was one guy named Ed. Oh yeah, when I was little. Um, but my dad was a music producer, and he was always on the road, and he took me and my sister uh, on tour with him when I was really young. Um, so we got to meet a lot of bands and i think it was the holy barbarians which was um ian atsbury from uh the cult and uh, billy duffy was in that band as well and um i was like eight years old in new york clubs um watching them play every night um because biff was opening for them so okay i was just uh just i think my mom went away for the summer so we went and stayed with my dad on tour and uh so it was really cool to to grow up up in it and um yeah just meet them as regular people too um but yeah i was a big fan of the, the cult so i i went up to him to ian asbury and i said uh i'm gonna cover one of your band one of your songs one day and right. he's like he like taps me on the head and he's like do uh she sells sanctuary and i was like okay <laughs> and i did that on my solo record when i was 20. So. Right. And how, how old were you then at that point I was I was either eight or ten, I think it was okay. in '94. Yeah, so I was somewhere around that age. I was real little. I think I was ten, actually. It seems like you were pretty fearless then, even back even back then. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't have that many rules. I guess my dad just kind of laughed when we'd uh, do funny stuff. Like me and my sister, she was fourteen, and we'd just wander from the club to the hotel, back to the club, and like midnight and by ourselves like so it seems like a really weird upbringing but um yeah i've never been a shy shy person so you I started what, young. yeah what were some of those venues any that really stick in your mind um i mean i, I played cbgb's before it got torn down when i was i think it was about 15. oh wow um, but i don't remember any of that when i was li- really little um they were pretty, like, they're pretty New York sceney, like, seedy clubs, like, with, you know, writing on the wall and, like, really dark. So I don't really, yeah, I can't remember. I was too young. Was that with uh, Live on Release with uh, CBGBs? Or uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That must have been kind yeah. of a thrill then. It was pretty wild. I mean, the people that were on that stage, I, I remember my bass player got down and licked the stage, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah she was just like so more in awe than I was but um she just lived music everything was music to her so um I was just like I wouldn't lick the stage but yeah I mean it's cool <laughs> wow but, so Le- yeah. Zeppelin and that sort of thing did that influence some of your writing what did sorry some of those uh more hard rock bands or classic rock um not really it was more like the 
pop pop music mixed I tried to mix pop music with rock music because that's what was popular and that's what came easy to me um because I mean even Biff songs to me are, are pop music right um so and that that's where I started out was writing for her album when I was uh, I don't even know how old I was but I was probably around 10 or 11 um just kind of jamming with my dad at home and he wrote most of her songs like Spaceman and and um, those ones, uh, Tango Shoes, all those. And um, so he just kind of taught me how to write and he wrote her song. So it was just a very similar writing method than, um, so yeah, just kind of look, looked uh, to do the same thing as she did. So were some of those uh, club experiences, some of your favorite concert experiences you've been to? Yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah. very lucky now that I look back at it. Um, that I got to have that experience. And I always described it as um, like an American university experience without this, the schoolwork. Cause right. I was just like partying every night and going to different places all the time, meeting new people, um, being social at that age, like being like 18 or even younger sometimes, but um, around that age, it's, that's what you want to do. And I, I feel lucky that I got to do that on a bigger scale. So then did playing with your dad pretty much transition into the band right away? Um, no, I was on tour with him once I was old enough to, to work. Um, I did stage crew on Edge Fest 98 and then okay. Lil, Lil Affair, I think 97. And then I sold merch um, for like Warp Tour, uh, one of the Warp Tours she was on, I don't remember, um, I was about 13. And then I realized that the people that were on stage, um, like just for a half hour or an hour made way more money than I was making. Right. Um, he even had me as a light technician for, for a couple of years. And I got on, <laughs> I got on the um, Vancouver light technicians um, list somehow oh, wow. at, when I was like eight or nine years old. And <laughs> my, my uh, dad answered the phone one day and some guy was asking wow. for me. And he was like, why are you looking for my nine-year-old daughter? He's like, my nine-year-old <laughs> daughter? She's like, I'm from 5440. I'm trying to hire her as a light technician. So, um, but it was just, yeah, you make more money doing, doing music. So I, I was like, and it looked funner than, um, more fun than, than selling t-shirts or doing like humping gear after the show. Right. right? So then yeah. how did the band actually get together? Um, I just said I wanted to do this to him and he's like well you got to find a band then some like you should find some girls your age so that you can you know you have something to relate to each other and uh, I met Colette the singer um, through school or softball or something like that okay. um, and she went to the same high school as me and uh, and then we put an ad in the Georgia Strait and found our bass player and our drummer and then we just started jamming for a good year and then we did a showcase for Biff and and then she signed us and then we went on tour and there was like a few years where you couldn't have Biff naked and this is in the hype of um, the best part of our career where she wouldn't play unless we were opening for her so oh, wow. yeah it was a big deal and like a lot of promoters probably didn't want us to play like we we're underage <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't physically play snow jam shows because okay. uh, you have to be legal like because it's Molson Canadian yeah but for every show from when I was like 13 or 14 to, to 18 was playing with her. Right. So it sounds like you enjoyed the touring experience then. Yeah, it was good. Um, 
it's a it's it's a hard thing for a girl to be on tour for you know years and years and I mean at one point I just wanted a dog a boyfriend and a bed right and that's all I wanted and maybe a paycheck every two weeks you know I was just like kind of done with it at, at one point and and that's why I quit music and, and started a new career but it's a, it's a hard thing I think it's a lot of I know a lot of guys that love it and right. will do it their entire lives but I've only met a few a few women that like um really 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 love it and one is biff and one is right. gail greenwood green gail greenwood from l7 she was she loved it yeah so what do you think some of the biggest differences are that just that you experienced then um it's just in I, it's hard to say i just i i liked it i didn't love it right and my it was a family business right so if okay. you are in a family of doctors and you go into med school you're gonna do you're probably gonna do that just because that's what you know and it was great and fun and i you know i met a lot of people and i wouldn't trade that part of my life for for anything but it's just not my calling and and i wasn't as happy as i am now doing what i do now do you find yourself listening to the same music or has your taste kind of changed over over <laughs> that time yeah it's a i mean yeah, I'm a creature of habit and I love have some favorites, but um, I have started listening to dance music all of a sudden. And that's, okay. I think that's just like the girls at work, work listen to that in the, in the hair trailer. And so, you know, yeah, a lot of just pop and dance. I've always loved pop music though. That's been my thing. Like I try and mix pop with rock and, and make it, you know, good for, for pop radio. So I've, I've never stopped loving that type of music. Yeah, it's weird because now that everything's online, there's just so much accessibility to so much music that it's almost, I think, overwhelming to a lot of people. Yeah, um, I just have Apple Music. I don't even have Spotify, but um, I just recently asked my dad to put my record up on Spotify because you do make money from that. And yeah. I, you know, it's pretty pretty wild. I mean, my, my brother-in-law, he puts all of his money that he gets from Spotify into an account for my nephew. And, oh, right. And I, it's just like it's up in the thousands and I'm like what <laughs> why don't I have my stuff online that's crazy but yeah it's really good for people to get seen nowadays but it's also like you can get lost in a sea of artists and you know it's I, I don't even I wouldn't even know how to make it or get signed nowadays because it's so different yeah even with the, the thought of Spotify like I've heard a few comments that I think the producer Mark Ronson you're familiar with him mm -hmm. He yeah like <clears throat> the way the technology works is that unless your song is heard all the way through it puts it into like a pile of like not heard songs and then it kind of gets thrown off the playlists in a weird way mm, that's weird so in that sense he says the best way to get heard is keep it under three minutes basically that was well, that's all, all, all good music for, for pop radio and rock radio it had to be three minutes or less like that's been a rule for 20 yeah. years yeah it's smart because they only yeah. have a certain amount of slots to play on radio right so they just give they they pick the slow the smaller songs and was that your kind of experience like was there any every pressure from labels just to kind of keep it simple yeah 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 they'd pick our singles too like um we didn't really have a choice in that we'd have our own favorites and then they'd pick what was best for because that's their job they know they know better than than what what's what's um 
what certain radio is going to play, like what college radio will play, what rock radio will play and what you're going for. So yeah, it's, it was always like two minutes and 54 seconds or like, I think, you know, I, I listen to some offspring songs or no effect songs are like 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> well, the funniest thing, do you remember the song? It, it kind of blew up old town road, that rap kind of country song. Yeah. Yeah. And they did that. Um, like, a. I I saw it on TikTok, I think, something like a dance thing, and they did, yeah. yeah, they made it different, right? Yeah, it was funny because the original, is the guy just like bought a beat for like 10 bucks or something, and then uh, at first, it was almost weird because it wasn't put into the country list, and there were some accusations of, you know, why, why is it not? And then I think that's when Billy Ray Cyrus came on to kind of really vouch for it. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard the 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 first edit then i only have heard the one with billy ray cyrus on it yeah that one was apparently one minute 53 seconds <laughs> i don't even think that i've heard that much of it i've only heard yeah. like there's like a dance that people have done to it and i've just seen that that amount and i've also i think there was like a this like jukebox cover band i saw sang sang that song too but uh yeah i don't know yeah it's pretty crazy and do you think that kind of three minute cap, even with online, but like kind of stifle some people? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the only long ass song that I like is from Led Zeppelin. So I, I, I don't really, I'm, I'm one of the worst people. I listen to a song and I, I kind of either repeat it or yeah. change the song when it gets to the bridge. So I, I don't, I don't really, it doesn't affect me. <laughs> whether the song's five minutes or three minutes I, yeah. I usually skip to the next pretty fast but yeah I like I like I like verses and and courses and then I, I think that songs drag at the end they just repeat themselves obviously right. so yeah and do you think it might be that accessibility and kind of ease that makes kind of rap the prevail, prevailing music right now maybe I think it's just generation z with, yeah. they really like that type of music I've always, I, I mean, I bought, you know, the Chronic 2001, but I, like, I've been a fan of, of rap music, but um, it's, yeah, it's got to be the accessibility because there's just so much out there now. And it almost seems like kind of the edge and dangerousness has gone into that kind of genre, whereas in the past, rock was seen as kind of edgy and dangerous. Now it's with the really young kind of rap stars. Yeah, but I, just, I don't know. I just don't find them cool, though, because there's yeah. a thing about rock rock musicians that were just fucking cool. Like, look at Izzy, Izzy Stratlin from Guns N' Roses. That guy is, like, mm. the coolest motherfucker out there, you know? And you don't know anything about him. He doesn't fucking talk. You know? He doesn't yeah. show up to things, you know? Well, the so, funny thing is that he's the only one who was kind of the holdout. He didn't come back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know. That would have been multi-million dollars. I guess he really just didn't want to do it. No, he was like, fuck that. I don't want to fucking <laughs> deal with that shit. No, I, and he's cool, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, I don't know. I don't really find it the dangerous with their face tattoos. I mean, what was it? 50 cents. I got shot seven times, yeah. you know, but like that was a long time ago. So I, I, and I also don't really pay attention to how dangerous or how cool these rap musicians are because I find it, the music sucks, but yeah it's tough even in terms of some of the lived experience and do you think just in terms of the lyrics because i've been asking a few people 
the talk about pills and drugs, do you think there's a responsibility for some of the artists not to like glorify that? No, I don't think so. They're not, they're not someone that is supposed to mold your kid into a good person. They're doing their art and, and it's not up to them to, to, um, just censor it for you, you know, like do your thing. And then if you're not going to be able to be played on, on radio or certain, if they have to, uh, censor it on certain certain platforms then that's fine but they should do what they want to do and and it's up to the parent to parent the child I think yeah. otherwise it's like take away video games take away everything yeah. take away movies yeah some people just think it's harder now because with the phones right like you know back when we were around parents kind of knew but I guess it's just harder to be in that position now as a parent with all the accessibility I don't know. There was a lot of like things we got away with though. Like I find that with the phones, uh, kids are getting caught doing the things that we did because I was on tour at in grade 10, 11 and 12 and I'd come home and I'd have a 10 o'clock curfew. And right. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Mom, like I have to talk to you. And I'd be like, when I'm on the road, I can be out all night till five in the morning. If I want to, I can drink, I can do all these things because there's no one there babysitting me. Like there, there's um, like, parental people that are supposed to be looking after us but what happens when they go to bed you know and uh and i'm responsible and i i'm safe when i do that on tour so when i come home you can trust me to be out till midnight with my friends like yeah i'm in way worse situations on tour than i would be at my friend's house party you know so you, you gotta you gotta chill and so um i think that it's just you know having a good parent is what really right. really matters are you into any music, uh, like documentaries or concert films? Have any favorites there? Um, I was just about to watch the Keith Richards one. I saw on Netflix and the, the Rolling Stones one there. Um, but no, I haven't watched any documentaries since Tiger King, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I haven't watched a lot of TV. I've just been, like with this pandemic, I've been right. um, spending a lot of time with my, I have three senior dogs and and we've been going on a lot of walks and I've been bike riding, just trying to like be present in life rather than hooked yeah. onto um, just all my devices. But is there any out there that you would recommend? Well, there was one on the band Anvil. I don't know if you saw that one. Anvil. I don't think I've watched that one. No. So Anvil were like a, a hard rock band that came up in the mid eighties with all the other bands, kind of like yeah. Guns N' Roses and, even when Bon Jovi kind of had a bit of an edge when they were starting mm -hmm. and like White Snake and uh, Scorpions and they were pretty big, but then like a lot of, you know, Canadian Toronto centric bands just dropped off. Mm -hmm. But the thing is they never broke up since yeah. the early eighties and it starts is, off. And it, yeah. Is this like an older one, like a couple years old? Maybe 2013, 14 around there. Yeah, I think I saw it. I did. I just haven't seen it in years. But I remember, yeah, they did they travel to like uh, Europe and stuff too yeah, in that documentary? That yeah, I've seen that one. And it's, it's kind of crazy because they just have this van and they can't navigate the streets in like Copenhagen and they're late and they won't pay them, but they play their whole set and it's... Yeah, I could relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I used to um, tour manage Biff when I first started playing with her. Right. And uh, there was a club promoter in um, 
or it was where was it it was Edmonton I forget what venue it was but he wouldn't pay me and then he was like grabbing my ass trying to trying to just be a fucking pervert and uh, I decked him and knocked him out and grabbed the money out of the the money counter and then just left (laughs) I was just like this is fucked up but I told my dad he was a label head and he's he like doubled my pay for the day he's like good for you you know and then I think we played another festival show and I had so much going on I forgot to put Sam Feldman's grandmother on the guest list and I remembered like mid sets and I like stopped playing and we were playing daddy's getting married and Biff's like what the fuck are you doing and I was like I forgot to put Sam Feldman's grandmother on the guest list and she's like keep playing keep playing so then in between songs she's like hey you know and she announced that if you see a little old lady named you know this Feldman then let her in (laughs) and I was like I can't believe and then like I go to get paid that day that night and um it's like one of those dirty festivals um just dust everywhere and I go and it's like the hell's angels are trying to fuck me over with money (laughs) There's like gangsters. I don't know if they were HA, but like just these guys you don't want to mess with. And I'm like, oh God, I'm not getting paid. This sucks. And then finally they paid me and I took a while and I get back to the stage and then like all our crew for the day is all drunk sitting on the stage. So I had to get like these college frat guys to carry our gear to the band. And I was just like, oh God, this is a nightmare show. I don't think I can do both anymore. I have to either do playing music or tour managing and I like playing music better. So. But yeah, it's it's tough. Like being on the road is like being just like this gypsy kid trying to navigate right. your way through life. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good one. And that's an, that's an incredible story because it kind of goes through them playing in, in these kind of bars and then they have their day jobs and they'll get a call from a promoter in Japan saying, you know, you we, we should have you back, but they can't really do it. Mm-hmm. There's another great one on Rush that I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, like every time I come into the living room, my husband's playing a new doc, like music documentary. So I'm <laughs> pretty sure that I've probably seen that one too, but not paid full attention to it. But <laughs> is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's funny because in the 80s, they kind of became uncool for a minute with the kind of yeah. synth pop and all that. Yeah. But then they really had this resurgence in the 2000s that was kind of incredible. You don't really see that too often. I never got into them. Like, I never, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even sing one of their songs, you know? Like, and my husband, he's always like, no, you could, you know, like, three songs. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, that's cool. I'll check that one out, too. So are there any other bands? Or are you just kind of listening to whatever comes on these days? Um, I like, I like a, a few bands that I've I've always liked, um, but haven't really released much new music. So I'll just repeat like old records that remind me of when I was young. I think everybody does that. Yeah. Um, I think Guns N' Roses is one of them. I just have appetite on, on, uh, ready to go when I'm in the car. But, um, I really liked the band called Mest when I was little um when I was a teenager and uh, my songwriting was kind of modeled after uh Tony Lovato's songwriting and um yeah so I've I've just recently started listening to them again they came to town like a year ago and I got to see them play so who who was that Mest M-E-S-T okay they're from Chicago they're a pop band or pop um 
kind of like Blink-182 kind of band. Okay. I almost thought you said Mets, M-E-T-Z, because I know it's a different band as well. I don't know that band. <laughs> what, kind of, what, what kind of music is that? Uh, a bit heavier, like more like, you know, the mid-2000s kind of, what was it called? Like metalcore, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah I've, never been, I've never been a big fan of metal. Blood uh, for Blood is like one of my favorite bands. Yeah, did you even hear, what was it, the uh, Chinese Democracy, that GNR album that kind of took forever? Yeah, I, it wasn't very good, was it? I can't remember. I think it just took so long. It was a bit overblown, but I guess you kind of expect that at that point. Yeah, I don't even remember what songs are off of that album. I saw them play, um, when was it? It was probably like 2011-ish. Yeah. Like, give or take a few years. But um, they just played like all their hits in a row and then I just left. So. <laughs> It's like I just you know what I want to hear and then I want to hear appetite and yeah so fine and then get the fuck out. <laughs> well, it's funny because Axel was for a little bit of time. Uh, ACDC, their singer had to stop and he filled in for a few shows. Did he? Yeah, this was maybe three four years ago. Hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, because yeah. like other than Angus, they kind of all just fell apart. <laughs> Yeah. No, I had no idea. Um, my, uh, my old uh, songwriting partner, and uh, he did produce uh, the first version of my solo record, Todd Kearns. He was from Age of Electric. He's playing for Slash now. Really? And um, yeah, for the last 10 years, actually. And um, he's, <laughs> and I was like, what's it like? Like, playing with slash and he's like oh you know for the first little while it was great now it's just the same stories over and over again <laughs> yeah and i'm like oh, i guess yeah you gotta get tell him to get kidnapped so he comes back with some new stories <laughs> so how was the warp tour when you played that um it was right around the end of my music career um i found it really hot like yeah. we're in mid midsummer in phoenix arizona I don't really find that like anybody would be enjoying themselves doing that, but there's, there's bands out there that love that kind of thing. And um, my record label didn't want to buy us catering. So I'm, you know, eating hot dogs in the crowd and trying to look cause I'm starving and then I'm getting fat. So then they're sending me like protein powder and I'm like, yeah, but we don't have water. All we have is right. monster drink. Oh, <laughs> like God. I can't mix it with monster drink. <laughs> so it was just, it's a shit show. But there's some, you know, funny, funny stories. Like we got woken up in the middle of the night by um, no effects and they grabbed my band and dragged them out of the bus, like hoodies over the top of their faces, just dragging them and put them out in the parking lot. And then they're like, what the fuck? They're like, yeah, you guys are Canadian. Let's, let's play some road hockey. <laughs> like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't love Warp Tour. Okay. I was pretty, pretty um, over it. When I went home, I think that I was just over playing music in general, being on the on the road for so long. Like I think it was ten months straight, and then I had like three days off, but then at, at home, and I was so excited to see my dog. and And then they booked like three days in in Germany for um, a showcase, and and yeah. I was just fucking livid. I was like, "What the fuck? Like this sucks." And so I went home, and I 
walked into my record label with my middle fingers in the air going like fuck you i'm done i don't want to do this anymore yeah and they're like okay well why don't you book bands uh with rob patty he he's our booking agent you help him and then in six months we'll reevaluate if you want to go back on the road and i was like okay so then i did that and then it was great it was really fun and i learned a lot but then the record label went under and um i think it was like a thousand people lost their jobs in one day mm-hmm. and uh that was bodog music um okay uh, owner of bodog like canceled like bodog fight bodog music he just kept only the poker um, right. side so it was like a huge thing and then um my dad went off to run his record label again uh, with biff um her royal majesty's records right. and uh and i there's just not really a place for me because it was like if you don't really want to be on tour and you don't you know i wasn't making it huge either so it's like what we can't put more money into you you know mm-hmm. so so it's like if you can't make it at 20 with a billion dollars behind you, you're not going to make it at 30 with like yeah. $2 behind you. <laughs> right, right. And then I, I also realized that like, I don't want to be famous. I want to make money, but I, it's like, that's my nightmare to be like Justin Bieber famous. Like, no way. So like, why am I trying to do music if that's the outcome of like doing well? Yeah. Right. So I just really like songwriting because it brings you money and, you know, it's, it's fun to play shows, but every other aspect, like recording and practicing and traveling, it wasn't my favorite at all, right? It was just kind of, you had to do that to get the money or you had to do that to play a show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it all ended. <laughs> you uh, still in touch with Beth at all in the last little yeah. while? Yeah, um, she lives in Toronto where my dad lives and they all came to visit in the summer uh, or not the summer, like just before the pandemic. Um, I just went out for dinner and yeah, yeah she did good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a weird little family I have because my, uh, you know, my mom and Biff and my dad and his wife are all just really good friends and they've always been really good friends. Like They've all come for Christmas dinners and you know, every holiday, Biff and her husband or Biff, whoever yeah. she's with, is by herself. She'd just come. And so she's always going to be family. And How about the other girls from the band? From Live on Release? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colette just had a baby. She's the okay. singer. Um, she, yeah, she, like, she has like a two-month-old. Uh, she's doing good. I haven't seen her in a little while, but um, I did her hair for her wedding okay. uh, two years ago fox she's in london with her two kids um i think she's like a software programmer um they all came to town um a few years ago maybe like three or four years ago and we went for dinner all four of us and that was really fun to catch up um i think leah had a really successful clothing company our drummer and uh she sold it and like started like moved (laughs) to like costa rica to do like yoga or something like that like it's really cool yeah, to see her posts, they're, they're pretty wild, but yeah, none of us play music. <laughs> that was my interview with Britt Black, guitarist for Live on Release, toured with Biff Naked, and performed as a solo artist. Thanks so much for coming by. I've been Cam Brio from cambriomusic.com. Brio